we're going to find ourselves in Second uh, Timothy. It's towards the uh, end of the New Testament there after Colossians and Thessalonians. And we will be uh, in chapter number 2, verse, uh, verses 1 through uh, 13. And uh, <clears throat> I'm here because the last time I was in the pulpit, I was in uh, chapter 1. So uh, spent some time in the text and thought this made uh, the most sense. And while you're getting there, uh, if you aren't one of those people that saves all of your notes and your, and your Bible, this would be from like last March or something like that, um, in, uh, in this entire uh, letter from Paul to Timothy, while he's uh, in his last days, he, uh, he knows the end of his life is near. He, is, uh, he has been a faithful uh, runner of the gospel, right? And he sees the uh, finish line uh, not too far uh, in his sight here. He encourages Tim to guard the gospel by holding on to it, by suffering for it, by proclaiming it, and continuing uh, in it until the end of his life. That's, uh, that's what he is uh, hoping that Timothy will do as uh, as Paul uh, begins to fade into history. And in chapter 1, uh, the message from Paul to Timothy was that, uh, hey, we have everything that we need. We have all the tools in the tool bag uh, that we carry to continue living a life of worship to Christ. And so um, why would Paul say that? Uh, he knew that his execution was imminent, and he wanted uh, Timothy to finish well. He wanted Timothy to continue and find himself uh, at the finish line with the same expectation that he uh, would also meet his Savior in the end. And so uh, chapter 2, Paul tells Timothy how he's going to make it. It's as if Paul anticipates Timothy's first question, right? So Tim might say, uh, okay, you want me to keep on in discipleship? You want me to be faithful in the ministry? And that's going to be difficult. That's going to that's gonna come at a cost. That's going to hurt me, and I'm going to suffer for this. How am I going to do this without you, right? Uh, Paul is uh, wasn't a particularly strong specimen of a man, but he was strong mentally, right? And he, uh, he was tough, and Timothy uh, it, no doubt is uh, someone who relied on Paul during his ministry. He says, how am I going to do this without you? And uh, we will read our text this morning and see what Paul has to say about that, okay? So we're in chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. 
Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So um, <clears throat> I read a few years ago that people don't make New Year's resolutions anymore. The number is lesser and lesser. When I was a kid growing up, we always talked about them and so on. And <clears throat> I think there's two. Now, the world makes all kinds. Uh, the world makes... Um, resolutions about vices, right? I'm going to quit smoking, quit drinking, things like that. But Christians have two to choose from, right? It's going to read my Bible more this year, and the other one is I'm going to get in shape, right? We too suffer from uh, the same uh, fitness issues that everyone else do. And so uh, these are the two resolutions that we tend to make. And we fail at these just like the world fails at theirs because we're weak. Uh, my poor wife, you know, she, uh, this will help you uh, just maybe want to care for her a little more when you see her, but, you know, she'll, she'll start the year off with uh, cooking really healthy, right? So we cruise through the holidays and we have, you know, meals fit for Thanksgiving, right? You know, turkey and steak and things with chocolate in them and so on and then uh, January comes around and I come home and we're making meals with something that looks like hamburger but it's cauliflower or you know it carrots where something tasty should have been instead right and so I tell her well my resolution yours might be to get uh, in shape but mine is actually to bulk up uh, my resolution I want to eat more carbs and comfort food this year can you and um, and it just doesn't uh, play uh, for at least a couple of months and then I, I win back here but uh, but we're uh, we're weak and and silly with these things but uh, but there is an application to the idea of fitness because uh, because Paul wants uh, Timothy to have good spiritual fitness and uh, finish the race well as a uh, disciple of Jesus. And so uh, Paul doesn't want Timothy to tire of the ministry and, and sort of fall away, kind of fade into the woodwork. And I don't want you to tire of discipleship and fall away. So, so there's some, uh, some help from us in this text. It is said, um, <clears throat> I, I, I heard this only a few years ago uh, in a group of pastors that the, uh, the, the goal of the pastor, the, the heart of your pastors here is 
to help the sheep get home to the shepherd, right? That's, that's the desire of a pastor. He wants his flock to make it home. And I want that for you as well. The day when our faith becomes sight, right? So if we're going to solve these resolutions this morning, we're going to use a couple of exercises to get through our text and help us to remember it. And of course, we're Baptists, so I'm not going to ask you to move around. You're not going to have to get up and and do any uh, heavy lifting or calisthenics. And so uh, our theme as we begin our text is to be strong and faithful to proclaim Christ. That's what we need to uh, see in the text this morning, and uh, hopefully I will uh, show you that. <clears throat> to do that, for our, some strength training here, we're going uh, to lift some, uh, we'll pump some spiritual iron here in the first couple of verses here. We're going to lift some weights here. And Paul says in verse 1, be strengthened, right, to Timothy. He says, be strengthened by two things. He says, the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard me teach other ministry leaders. So he wants, uh, he wants Tim to be strengthened by God's grace and by uh, proper gospel teaching. Those are the two things. And so what is grace? Well, Paul uh, uses these words a lot. And in Ephesians 2, he, uh, he uses this example that stands very well. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. The grace that is in Christ is a saving grace. He wants you to be strengthened by the power or the strength that Jesus has to save you. Where can you find that? Well, uh, that is a great question. So if you're, uh, if you're sitting here thinking, where am I going to get this grace? Paul's letters are a great place for you to start. If you're thinking about where should I be reading and searching for that, in fact, his letters, almost every one of them, starts with that blessing. He is, uh, offers that in his letters to you. So uh, you can find this saving power that Jesus has in his word. And, uh, and what a great place to, uh, to look for that, but in Paul's letters. Uh, Jeff mentioned the training in the word, right? So, uh, so we study, both for men and for women, we study how to search the scripture and find the grace of Jesus Christ in, uh, in a text. So it's a great way to plug in if that is something that you're lacking. Are you, are you weak this morning? Are you lacking strength? You can find it in God's word. If, you are, if your Bible is big enough like mine, you can also uh, you know, bulk up a little bit as well by lifting that on a regular basis. But that's not all. Uh, uh, he says uh, there's another way, and that is from the preaching and teaching of God's word. So, so he wants uh, us to find uh, the strength of Jesus Christ in Scripture 
and in the hearing of good teaching. And so uh, this is a great uh, and yet basic exercise move that each of you need to get started on this year. In order to persevere in strength to the end of your life, to finish well like Paul, like Paul wants Timothy to do, like your pastors want for you, we need to search the scriptures continually and sit under regular gospel preaching. Do we know uh, people who maybe have grown up in the church and are no longer uh, anywhere near the church? We, we see people like that. I'm sure we all have friends like that. We, uh, we meet uh, people just in our regular lives. Oh, yeah, I used to, I used to go to church, right? We're, uh, we're weak. We, uh, it is easy for us to fall away without continually hearing the gospel message of a Savior, the good news. Even as Christians, we need to hear this kind of preaching. So uh, we mentioned the parable of the soils this morning, Nathan did. And there's so many of that. Followers of Jesus look a certain way, don't they? So uh, let's purpose to be faithful followers of Jesus. Keep your strength up, Christian, reading God's word and sitting under gospel preaching. I think we can do that. Now that we've uh, started with the uh, sort of uh, heavy lifting portion of the workout, Paul, uh, Paul goes on in, chapter, in verse number three here with our second command, right? So he says, uh, be strengthened. And then his second command here is to share in suffering. So uh, what exercise sounds like, like suffering? Running, right? That's easy. It's, it, the connection makes itself. I don't even have to stretch uh, for that. So Paul is writing about two things, strength and endurance. We want to make it to the end. We want to finish the race. We are going to keep going to the finish line. <clears throat> and I know what you're thinking. At this point, Paul instructed us to be strong and to suffer, but that's not my theme. My theme is to be strong and faithful to proclaim Christ. And so Paul's not talking about some kind of regular suffering that is the human condition. As humans, we all suffer, don't we? We uh, lose friends and loved ones to sickness and in health. Uh, life is hard. We lose jobs. People betray us. We experience financial trouble. All of these things are, uh, are normal to the human condition. And this is not uh, what Paul's writing about. If you look back just one page here in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, he tells, uh, he tells Timothy, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He also say, says that uh, God saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of us, not because we bring something amazing to the team. You know, it's like, oh, uh, Vaughn, we need, 
uh, we need Vaughn on Team Jesus, right? Carolyn, that would really round out the roster. No, we were called to a calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose, that is to share the good news. So the suffering that, that Paul's talking about is the suffering that comes from proclaiming Christ, from sharing the good news of our Savior. Even in our own text here, in chapter 2, 8 and 9, he says, uh, Remember Jesus Christ as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering. Bound with chains, right? So he's in chains because of his message. And so we were saved to testify of God's goodness in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for us to be in union with God. So the suffering Paul is talking about is the suffering that comes from proclaiming Christ. And Paul gives us three images of what it looks like to sort of persevere in this suffering. He tells us, he gives us three pictures to show us what we should look like in our evangelism. And so he starts in verse 4 with a soldier. <clears throat> now there are many ways that we can compare a soldier to being in the Lord's army, right? We, could, we can think of those, but we don't have to do that. Paul makes the connection for us. Paul wants us to see one specific attribute of the soldier. <clears throat> no soldier, he says, gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So he's talking about a soldier that stays on the mission. He's following orders, if you will. <clears throat> a soldier who continues to take ground from the enemy day after day. Not a soldier who fights for a while and then leaves and goes and gets groceries and dry cleaning and he's busy doing other things. Rather, uh, we must stay on the mission that is to talk to others about our Savior, to proclaim Jesus, right? We um, <clears throat> recently, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we watched a, a series called The Pacific about the uh, Pacific Theater in World War II, right? And, uh, and it would be um, it, absolutely unthinkable to be in the heat of the battle, taking, uh, taking the beach in Iwo Jima, right? Uh, so much, uh, so much fighting there, and uh, and so many casuals to to stop and say, "Time out! I'm going to take one of these landers back to the uh, the ship and uh, and maybe change out of my things here. I'm a little soiled. Uh, I, I'll I'll be right back. You guys keep keep up the good work. That's nonsense, right? We are not to be uh, leaving the mission, if you will. There's no there's no uh, taking a rest from this mission that uh, our Lord has called us on. Our second picture or image is that of an athlete, right? Lots of ties that we can make between uh, uh, being a runner or some kind of great athlete 
and the Christian life or the Christian walk. But again, Paul has a specific thing that he wants us to see. Here we see the image of an athlete who wins the prize by obedience, by uh, playing according to the rules. He competes. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians about their need to be disciplined. We heard this not that long ago in 1 Corinthians 9, right? Paul says, uh, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, right? There's that, uh, that discipline piece. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So in our example here, the athlete either wins or loses, not exactly like the sports that we see today where everyone gets some kind of participation trophy perhaps, but there's a crown or there's no crown for this athlete. We must stay obedient to proclaim Jesus. We must stay obedient to share the good news of Jesus. And then finally, he, the third image is that of a farmer. <clears throat> A farmer is a great illustration for somebody who uh, is in any kind of ministry in the church here, isn't it? Uh, you've, got, uh, you've got this, you know, working, you've got sowing seeds, planting, harvesting, and so on. But Paul's illustration here is for the work ethic. He talks about a hardworking farmer a farmer who's not lazy. So uh, there's not a lot of glory in farming, is there? You know, the hard, but the hardworking farmer gets something, doesn't he? He gets the first share of the crops. Do you see that? The hardworking farmer ought to have the first share of the crops. That he participates in the harvest. It's only fair. He's the one who has done all of this planting and waiting and, and, uh, and caring for uh, the land. And so serving others isn't glamorous, but you get to share in some of the harvest, don't you? you uh, if you're faithful to talk to others about Jesus, you get to see a neighbor come to faith. You see others grow in holiness around you as you pour into their lives. You uh, perhaps see new pastors and missionaries grow up in your very own church around you. You see your children grow in faith, don't you? Isn't that a blessing when that happens? So faithfully testifying about Jesus is hard work, but there is also blessing in it for the worker. So we get these beautiful images, and in verse 7, Paul says, 
slow down and think about these pictures. Think about these things. And so let's take a break and just let's think about those two exercises, right? So we've got that strength training uh, that comes from searching Scripture and hearing Scripture. And then we've got the endurance piece, right? The endurance training that comes from continuing to share our faith with others that, uh, that are near us in our lives. So how do we get the strength to speak a word of hope to other people? We need to be strong, right? We need to be reading God's word and hearing the gospel preached so that we can pass that precious word on. And that gospel preaching is preaching that points us to the hero of scripture that is Jesus Christ. So there's lots of teaching out there. There's lots of preaching that are, uh, you know, fun and easy. There's a lot of preaching that, uh, that doesn't lift up our Savior. And how can we point people to Jesus if we don't hear preaching that points people to Jesus, right? We have to be under that constant strength-building, enduring-building power of gospel preaching. We need to continue telling Christians and non-Christians alike about Jesus Christ. If we do this, we will endure suffering. But we must continue on the mission like a soldier. We must continue in obedience like an athlete. And we must continue to work hard planting the fields like a farmer. We must be strong and faithful to proclaim Christ. So we need to keep sharing Christ in Sunday school, in ho- at home, at school, at work, to your friends, because you believe in the power of God's word. And finally, we, we need to remember the prize. Like a good pastor or a good friend would, Paul once again points us and points Timothy to the hero of our story in Jesus Christ. In verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. He is the conqueror of, of the grave, isn't he? He is the one hoped for from the line of David. Remember his finished work on the cross for our sin, and we base our hope on that. We can be strong in our suffering because we believe in the power of God unto salvation. We believe in his saving grace. So even if you face setbacks, Paul is facing a setback. Even if you are in chains, Paul said, the word of God is not in chains. You keep sowing. You keep telling others about your hope in Christ. On rocky ground, on good soil, on bad soil, 
in thorny soil, we sow, we tell others about the hope we have in our Savior. In snow, yes, and in sand, we continue to sow the seeds of the faith. We, see, we keep sowing the gospel for the sake of the elect. We don't know who they are. It's our duty to, uh, to carry this message to everyone. And so in verse 11, Paul moves to this ancient, uh, perhaps a song. It looks like uh, perhaps a call and response type of song that, that, uh, that might be used in a uh, worship service. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you tell people about his saving grace, you will be persecuted, you will suffer, and you need to hear this song. And so we get a couple of sets of parallels here, starting in verse 11. He says, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Okay, so this is exciting. This is, this is a word of encouragement connected to verse 8, right? Christ suffered on the cross and now reigns on David's throne. Paul in prison, about to be crushed, only to meet his Savior in heaven. He wants those who follow from a letter written in a hole in the ground and preserved and read thousands of years later right here in a little lake community to suffer now for a future where we reign with David's son on the throne. Right. Amen? Amen? But then there's this little shift here, and there's a warning. So the first two uh, lines are encouraging and and we like those because we're Americans we like happy endings but we don't get one here we have this this word of warning that follows it says if we deny him he will also deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself and so in this shift here we see if we deny him, he will deny us. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he's sending out his disciples. He said, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That is to say that there are some who are with us, connected to us, who are not really with us. In chapter 1, verse 15, just the section before uh, our text this morning, Paul says there are people who turned away from the ministry. He says, uh, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are uh, Phagellus and Hermogenes right? Yikes. He lost a pretty uh, large battalion there 
they turned away from Paul's gospel. They turned away from the ministry. And we're warned not to turn away from the faith. Paul was burned yet again there, wasn't he? Paul suffered losing friends and people he cared about in the faith. And so there were a few ways to interpret, interpret that final line, that final verse. We can, uh, we can discuss the other ways, but I believe the right way to take this from our text is that God is faithful to his promises, even if we are faithless and fall away. Our failure as, uh, as carriers of the gospel, as, as disciples, does not make God a liar. It does not negate uh, the glory of his grace and his salvation plan. Paul told the Romans, like, what if some are unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. So our failure does not make God a failure. Paul is not even saying that you can lose your salvation. Paul is saying what Jesus said in Matthew 10, that there are people with us that are connected to us here in the church who are not true believers and do not be surprised when they give up. And don't give up. We need to continue to preach a word of hope to them. Our friends, our co-laborers, persevere. Not every plant that comes up from the soil will be in the final harvest. But we don't know who that is. We need to be strong and faithful to proclaim Christ. And so there's, a, there's just a few points from this warning that, that Paul ends with. Understand <clears throat> that following Jesus and discipleship has a cost. <clears throat> if you're doing it right, it won't be an easy path. It is, in fact, the narrow gate. Some of the people connected to us, they will fall away. But take note in this little final uh, song that, that Paul uh, shares with us the we in that, right? It's not, uh, it's not a you. This isn't a thing just between him and his buddy Tim. But we must persevere together as a team in verse 11 and 12. This is for all of us. This is for us to carry each other along in faithfulness, to help one another as we continue to preach a word of hope to one another in love. Don't fall away. And finally, we need the strength that comes by the grace of God. Search him, continue to search him in scripture, and, and don't sort of uh, treat the idea of 
reading your, uh, your Bible, these reading plans that we talk about as, uh, as simply a resolution that we, you know, we start, we start well in January and, and fall away from that. Come back, please keep coming back to the Word, keep opening the Word. If you've missed it, if you fell away in recent weeks and now you're, now you're uh, you know, so far behind in your reading, I can't possibly, come on, be faithful. Be faithful and come back to the Word and continue reading the Word. I, um, I hope that helps you this morning. I hope that uh, encourages you. I hope that you will think for a moment about those images that Paul left for his buddy Timothy and for the church. And let me just end with this, uh, this benediction. May the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Thanks.